Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, and welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. My name is Mark, and today, Gail and I are talking about domain names. It's, yep. a, it's a really frequent question, which both newbies and experienced marketers ask us. They want to know what makes a good domain name, how to choose a good domain name, how to future-proof it, what to avoid, and even sometimes if they should change their existing domain name to something else. So today, we're going to answer all these questions and more. Looking forward to this one, Gal? Yeah, I am. Actually, I have some pretty funny examples of domain names. So, yeah. So that's the thing I'm most looking forward to, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start with that. But just before we start, if you guys want to get any of the resources, info, links, anything which we're discussing today, you can find the show notes at authorityhacker.com forward slash domain podcast. And finally, we're going to be answering one listener question at the end of every main podcast episode from now on. Today, we're going to have a question from Mick about membership sites. We'll get to that at the end, but if you want to ask us a question, and perhaps we'll answer that in an upcoming episode, head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask, and you can uh, ask your question there. So let's get started. What's your favorite domain name, and what's your least favorite domain name? It's not really my favorite domain name. It's more like the ones that I find I like the one that I find are like well found and not well found. Like it's not really about what's the content on the site, etc. It's more like what is the connection between the name and the content and yes, the brand? That's the question. Yeah. My favorite one is like vice.com. Like good luck finding a four letter domain name today. But I think it's just perfect. Like it's if people know what Vice is, it's like a, it's a publishing company, but like you know, they do a lot of documentaries that are like on the fringes. Like they do documentaries for millennials that are actually interesting, not with that really boring voice, etc. But crazy things in the world, and I really like it. And I think the domain name Vice.com just matches perfectly. The worst domain name is Therapist.com. Which doesn't sound so bad, right? However, if you actually read it on your browser, it reads therapist.com, which is probably not a very good idea. And actually, I have a link that we probably should put on the post about like this. Literally, I cry sometime reading some of these ones. But on Panda, they have like a post on the 30 worst domain names ever. And another example is like Experts Exchange. Well, if you actually read it, you know, <laughs> text, it actually says expert sex change. So uh, <laughs> that gives you an idea of where you can find that post. So I actually put the link in the show notes, I guess. Yeah. What I about you? I, well, I, I just want to add something to that. I think like the lack of having any spaces in, in domain yeah. names, like certainly confuses that. There was actually someone that had my name. It was like marktherapistwebster.co.uk <laughs> or something. And it was like a sports massage person, like a professional yeah, yeah. physiotherapist, whatever. <laughs> but I noticed, and it actually it came up, it, if you searched on Google UK for my name for a couple years, <laughs> and then I noticed that he changed it to something else after after a while and redirected it. So I'm pretty sure he figured out what was going on there. Um, yeah. but my <laughs> so my favorite is actually transferwise.com. I don't know, probably because I, I really lo- love their service. So like a service for sending money abroad and 
very low fees, so much cheaper than, than your bank. But I think it just it communicates to me very well what what it is. So it's about transferring money. And the, the wise part is kind of like a, a branding element to it. So there's kind of like half of it's communicating what it does and half of it's like a brandable way of me remembering it. So I just, it's a lot of like the way we actually build our domains, actually. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I'm biased uh, because of that or yeah. something, but I just, I really, I really like that. My worst one is probably zero.com and that's spelled X E R O. Zero is an accounting piece of software, which we use to do our accounting now. But if you can imagine like me telling you that on, on this podcast, I'm saying it's zero.com. Like you immediately assume it's going to be spelled zero with a, with a Z, not an X. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just these like ones that you can't really pronounce very well or can't really, it's not really very memorable because you're not able to build that association with like a real word so yeah that's why i dislike that one the most cool so several years ago i guess the norm well when i first got into internet marketing the norm was to use an exact match domain so find a keyword and basically make that your your domain i think our first seo company mad cheap seo was uh was targeting cheap seo SEO we actually ranked number one for that (laughs) that really didn't make a switch at all but we did rank for that (laughs) same like you know when we talked about the failed sites like one of my first sites was called dieselbelts.org yeah and until i realized like diesel belts are not just like that's a design of uh, belts but also they're like parts of an engine you know yeah. and then i was like well actually most of that traffic is useless but yeah that was how it worked and the truth is google was giving a lot of weight to the domain name and keywords in the domain name for a long time and so people were like oh my god exact match domain and like really some people will spend their entire days looking for domains with keywords with search volume and essentially you know build a, a crappy site on it point a bunch of spam links and because of the exact match domain and the, the, the spam links essentially these would rank really quickly and then they would link to an affiliate offer usually and that they would make some money and that was essentially the theory behind the, the niche site concept that's how it came to light essentially using the power of exact match domains to create websites that don't take a lot of work to rank and that's why they got so popular but it's not really the case anymore actually google removed any kind of advantage domains would have for having exact keywords in there because people were spamming it and because it was just not good for the diversity of the internet. You still get a slight advantage in terms of ranking, I guess, because it's kind of like your brand. So, you know, like you could potentially, if you if you have a big site that has the exact keyword, you could actually get site links on a, on like a keyword that's like generic. So a perfect example for that would be apple.com, right? If you tap Apple, like, you know, normally you'd get like Wikipedia and you get like maybe one link for apple.com. But actually, if you type Apple now, you get like the site links, you get everything. So you, they are claiming a keyword that's not just about computers and phones for their brand, essentially. So that there's still a really tiny advantage, but really it's not really about search unless you build a really big site. Yeah. So if you're use, still using an exact match domain the moment, should you change or should you just keep it? No, I mean, if you haven't spammed, it's just like there's no advantage for having it, but there's no disadvantage for having it either. Just the problem is sometimes they're kind of like weird branding, especially if like, you know, people were starting to have like three plus words exact match domains. Yeah. So like, 
I don't know, best baby troller for twins, you know? Yeah. So it would be like, best baby trollers for twins.com or .net or whatever. And that's like, yeah, that's a pretty horrible branding. Overall, I think you should favor your branding over like trying to have keywords in there. It's just not going to hurt if you have a decent branding and you have an exact measurement, essentially. Yeah, I used to see quite a few of them as well, which would have, if the exact match wasn't available, they would do it the same, but with hyphens between each oh my word. God. So definitely not something uh, we'd, we'd recommend doing at the dash, moment. Dash baby dash troller baby <laughs> yeah. uh, dash for the dash twins. You know, it's like, it's crazy. It's just like, like people would do that. and But these domains are like so... Like untrustworthy. Like I see that in search, I'm like, yeah, no, no way. Yeah, I'm going. Out. And it's not just like from the searcher's perspective. It's when you're doing things like outreach for guest posting or skyscraper link building, something like that. If you have a very obvious, like commercially branded, exact match domain, people's sort of, I don't know, like filter or like uh, radar alert system, you know, instantly goes off. Think that's probably not a legitimate site. It's probably a thin kind of affiliate. Spammy yeah. site. So I'd yeah. actually go as far as saying that the strategy we use now, which is kind of the opposite. Essentially, like we start our sites as like affiliate review sites usually, and then we expand them to, to bigger types of content and more informational, etc. But we always brand them as like something like make them extremely branded. And we'll talk about how we build our domains later. And we also make sure like like the homepage doesn't feel like it's just an affiliate site, etc. And like yeah. we really try to make it look to give a mission to the site. So like we help you eat healthier, like make uh, healthier choices for your health on health ambition, et cetera. And it's like, this is what we put forward when we pitch it to people or when people land on the homepage, et cetera. And that generates so much goodwill over like, hey, we are gonna send you to as many Amazon pages as we can so we can make money. Yeah. So, yeah, so the domain's important. just kind of like, it's the same thing going, it's the same concept going on there. It's just before they even click the link yeah. or go go to your site, they're, they're already it's, it's forming an impression know? based on what your domain is. So, I mean, based on that, then how do you brand a domain correctly? I mean, the way we do it is it's like, I mean, we need to be realistic here. First of all, we like going for .com every time. So like .net, .co, .nyc, whatever. We don't go for it usually. Mostly because we do, we build sites that are built for like a global audience and dot com is just the golden standard there. The problem is it's hard to find a good dot com, right? Yeah. So usually the way we build that, like the way we build them is the first part is descriptive about what the site is about. So like, let's take the example of health ambition, authority hacker, right? So health ambition, well, first part descriptive health. Authority hacker, well, it's like authority, authority sites, etc. And then the second part is kind of like branding slash giving an angle to it. Yeah. So ambition is like, well, it's it gives the angle of like people that want to improve what they're gonna do. And authority hacker is kind of like it's implying that it's gonna be practical. It's implying that it's gonna be maybe stuff that you haven't seen before and some kind of idea of a shortcut, hidden path that people can take you know so it, it really like angles the first world and usually if you build domains that way then it's possible to find .com domains usually we take like a few hours to find them for new sites but it's not the end of the world still and we're still buying domains today and we've been looking recently for new sites etc and we are building them uh, that way should we go through the tools as well while we're at it yeah sure i mean what, what yeah. do you recommend okay so 
And first of all, like we brainstorm out of thin air. So like, you know, this descriptive part, this branded part, what you can do is you can make two lists and try to combine them if you want. To check if a domain name is available, we use instant domain search.com. Uh, I like it. We don't get any commission for that, but like you can just check if it's available and buy it on whichever registrar you want. Um, to find descriptive and branded parts, to expand it, I actually use thesaurus.com. Very simple thing that it's just going to give you a bunch of synonyms. So like, you know, if I type like ambition in it, I, I get a bunch of synonyms for ambition. If I type health in it, I get a bunch of synonyms for health. Then I can try different combinations in instant domain search and essentially try to find a combination that's available and that sounds good. And the last tool that I found while building the authority site system, actually, which I found was really good and I've actually used for the case study site on there is Shopify has a business name generator. So we're going to link to it. It's a long URL. So we're going to link to it in the podcast show notes. So go on the website. Yeah, authorityhacker.com forward slash domain podcast. You can get all these URLs. Yeah. So they have a business name generator that actually does that. It actually builds domains the exact same way. It checks for available.com. So all you have to do is put like a keyword. It's going to build a bunch of branded-ish domains around that keyword. Obviously, it's it's automatic, so some stuff is going to sound weird, but there's also some good ones. That's how I found, as I said, the domain for the case study site on the authority site system, and it works really well. And then you once they show you the domains that are available, you just go and buy the one that you like. So essentially, these three things are, are what I personally use. To I have. will say I was using the Shopify business name generator a couple, couple weeks ago, and it threw up some really cool options, and I'm like, wow, that's perfect. But they actually weren't available, so yeah, I'm not sure yeah. it was like a hundred percent accurate. But it's still very, very, very good tool. Actually. They're probably caching the results, and if people buy them, you know, it's not instant search all the time. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, so one other thing I wanted to to go over is in the sort of breadth of the the domain, like how narrow should you focus? Like with, with health ambition, we took health as a topic, which is very, very broad. Yeah, I mean, we talk about a fair number of, of subtopics w- within health, but really we, we only have a few categories that we're really, really pushing. So wouldn't it have been better for us to do like a juicing ambition, for example, and then just do a juicing site? Or what's what's the thinking there? I mean, there's pros and cons for everything, right? So nothing is like, there's no perfect solution, but essentially the real pain in the ass when building a new site is to build the initial authority, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, Usually the first year when you go is not very good, mostly because Google has this sandbox stuff, mostly because, you know, it's, it takes forever to get links and get content going, etc. And so if you're going to be starting several sites, then unless you start them all at the same time and you're able to put the same amount of effort in all of them, then you're kind of delaying your results and you're kind of restarting from this horrible first year from scratch. So that's why like building a broad domain is interesting because, you know, once you have this initial authority, then everything just goes much faster in terms of Google and that's nice. However, it means that managing that site, especially if you're going to do what we did on health submission, which there are plenty of things wrong on health submission, but it, it is complicated. Like, you know, we have different ad layouts depending on the categories. We have different call to actions depending on categories. Essentially, we're managing several sites under one domain, which is possible, but adds to the complexity of managing the domain and also dilutes your brand, which probably means we have lower conversion than if we had choosing ambition.com, for example. Which I think is actually available if anyone wants to grab that. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, like, pretty sure it's registered two, like two days after. <laughs> 
All right, so let's talk about the domain length. Mentioned before, you know, about vice.com being four-letter domain. Good luck get, getting a four-letter domain. I think actually every word in the dictionary, in the English dictionary, is that actually not registered as well. Uh, every yeah. single, like, one word. But uh, does domain length matter? Like, if you, if you have four letters or 15 letters, is there any um, advantage or disadvantage here? In terms of SEO, I don't think so. There is a correlation between shorter URLs and higher rankings uh, in terms of rankings, but it's like it's, it doesn't mean it's like the cause of it is because the 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 name is shorter. It's like as we said, it's hard to find a four-letter domain name, so therefore the four-letter domain names are older. Therefore, they had to have more time to get links. Therefore, they rank higher. You know, so like you know, we can we, there's ways to explain why it would rank better. Really, it's just for like people remembering, building a brand, that kind of stuff. It's nice to have a short domain, but other than that. Pure SEO, not really. It's like, but but too long is also like it's horrible and it doesn't like I wouldn't want to click on it and many people wouldn't. So do you have a sort of maximum length that you generally like wouldn't go above or or anything like that? Usually we try two words, right? Like one word is impossible, as you said, everything's registered. So two words, it literally demultiplies the possibilities to the point where there are plenty of things opened and i think three words is already too much to be honest as long as probably in 20 years the answer will change right yeah but right now two words is definitely possible so i would just go for that all right and how important is it that it's easy to pronounce the words i mean there's obviously a big thing there i mentioned this uh zero example x-e-r-o the misspelling and what are your thoughts on that well, I mean, we had a perfect example in that podcast, right? It's like, I'm pretty sure a bunch of people went on zero.com, Z-E-R-O, because we said it. Most content consumption in the future is going to be audio and video on the internet. Text is going to be there still, but, you know, it's, it's kind of going to be a support the same way we now finally do transcripts for the podcasts. So watch out for that, guys. But yeah, it's like, if you're going to be talking, if you're going to be doing videos, etc., like, uh, this is the future and you need to make sure your domain is compatible with that. It's the same thing as like making sure your website is responsive for mobile phones, you know? Yeah. It's kind of the future. So like, it's, it's the same thing for the pronunciation, I'd say. Yeah, so, I mean, we used to have a digital marketing agency. It was called HireClick, H-I-G-H-E-R, click.com. But whenever I would like talk to someone on the phone or, you know, in person, about 50-50, they would think it was higher, like H-I-R-E. So it's just this like pronunciation of two similar words can be, can be a little bit confusing. And, um, I think Rand Fishkin came up. I don't know. If, I don't think he came up with this thing, but it's, uh, there's something called cognitive fluency, which is, uh, it basically means how easy something is to pronounce in our minds. So if something's very simple, then it's much easier to remember, apparently. So there's like a, there's something going on there. Like if your, if your domain name, your brand is very easy to pronounce, you know, even it to, one person to themselves, then they're much more likely to remember it and then obviously come back to your site and stuff. Uh, the other thing I would say is one of our friends as uh, a travel blogger is a website one step forward, except he, instead of using the word forward, he's, he's done the number four, then W-A-R-D. And there was like a phone store in the UK. It was like phones for you, but they had like a, f- a number four instead of like a the word for you. 
Yeah, the same way it was it's, trendy in 2001, you know? Yeah, this is a very old school kind of thing. And I would, uh, I, I think it, they did actually sort of start in like, you know, 1995 or something like that. So I would, I would definitely avoid doing these kind of tricks. If you're struggling to, uh, to find like a good domain name, just, you know, keep looking for something, which is, which is again, like easy trends and stuff. So, you know, you mentioned before about getting the dot coms and stuff is really important for us. And I think all of our domain names are, are dot coms. We don't, don't have any dot nets or, any. I mean, we own them, but we don't use them. It's just as a yeah. way for people not to steal them, you know? Yeah. One thing I would want to say on that is I think in every, possible situation you should avoid a dot info domain because i i think it was they were like a lot cheaper or they used to be a lot it used to be one dollar yeah yeah and so basically every pbn blog spammer (laughs) basically anyone who's up to no good has a dot info and it's just pretty well sort of regarded as something somewhere you don't want to go to so yeah I'd, i'd probably avoid that in terms of country, city, international SEO localization, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how how should should people be be focusing there? I mean, we can do like five podcasts on yeah. international SEO. <laughs> it's like it's a pretty complicated matter, but essentially, the and and it's mostly for big sites. Like, first of all, don't worry about international SEO if you're making less than six figures. A year or even seven. It's not needed. You can do that within one country. And most of all, like you can just do a dot com and not really target any sub country and, and you'll be fine. So that is level one of international SEO. That's what we do for our sites mostly. And you don't need to go further. But when we do consulting, I used to do that for really big companies. And essentially, there is three ways to go when you do international SEO. One is to create subdomains. So for example, that would be fr.authorityhacker.com de.authorityhacker.com, etc. You can go for a country TLD, which is authorityhacker.fr, authorityhacker.de, or you can go for a subfolder, which is authorityhacker.com slash de, authorityhacker.com slash fr, essentially. And there is a reason to go for each of them. But, you know, anyway, if you are a company that's starting to operate in the world, what you should do is at least own these domains, even if you don't use them. Usually you're going to use the country TLD only when you have like a physical presence, physical shops, etc. in a country. It's kind of the way we went for it and that was better. Otherwise, subdomain versus subfolder, usually these days subfolders are superior just because you can capitalize on the existing .com domain authority. And that's why having the .com is quite useful because it's kind of an international standard. So that's basically it. But what I recommend is like when you see your company is taking up like by at least most of the developed countries, TLDs, like have a budget of like a few hundred bucks a year and buy most of them essentially, just so that nobody starts a clone of your company abroad, etc. And, you know, it might be taken already, so you might not be able to get in every country. Don't go out of your way to buy it unless you intend to actually start an operation in that country, I'd say. If you were starting, say, a French website, selling i don't know handbags in 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 france would you go super for, likely would you go for uh, like a just a dot fr domain name or would you do just do it with a dot com if i was only focusing on france and i knew i would just do that then i would buy a dot fr okay. if i had a chance of expand i would probably try to buy the dot com as well but it's like if if my operation was like an e-commerce store like a real a real shop then i'd definitely go for dot fr yeah, it's just like they rank much higher in their own countries. On Google.fr, .fr domain definitely has a strong 
I like it's 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 a bit like uh, exact measurements used to be, but for TL for country TLDs. And do you think that's the same in English language? Because dot com, it's not really supposed to mean USA. It's yeah. just like a global, you know. Whereas you, you have like dot ca for Canada, dot co dot UK. I don't think UK. it applies in US to be honest. Like yeah. I don't think like there is dot US right, but nobody uses it. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a dot US <laughs> site. So uh, genius. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. But otherwise, yeah, it's like I don't think it works in the US, but like like if you're trying to rank in Canada, for example, a .ca domain on Google.ca. So if someone in Canada goes on Google.com, there's different rankings, actually. It's like the, the .ca, there's still a, a slight advantage for .ca domains if your IP is in Canada. But like if you use Google.ca, then like a .ca domain is going to rank much better than like a .com. However, one interesting thing is what you can do is what Master's Tool is on a generic TLD, so like a .com, .net, .org, etc. You can actually select which country you want to optimize for in Google Webmaster Console, which you cannot do with a .ca. .ca, for example, is always going to be Canada, yeah. and like it's grayed out actually when you register in Webmaster Tool, Webmaster Console now. So if you're going to start a proper operation in one country and you care a lot about these countries, Google search traffic, the country TLDs are still useful, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk now about copyright and trademark infringement, because I saw in the Authority Hacker Pro Facebook group that someone had gotten an email saying that their domain was infringing on someone else's trademark fairly, fairly recently. So what are the things that you need to be careful here and what do you, what do you need to avoid? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so <laughs> anything I say is basically like not, you should not use that for like making decisions. If it's something important, talk to a lawyer. But, you know, every time you use kind of like part of someone's brand and you're like kind of in the same industry at the same time, then I think there is grounds for season desist. And all this stuff is like, you, you're, it's not really like following the legal system. It's kind of like arranging yourself with the brand, but they could stop legal action if you don't comply with them. So usually when you start a site, you don't want to get into that. You have so many other things to do. That happened to Perrin, actually, when he started his, uh, his site. Like he had a domain name that had part of the brand of like a really big brand in the niche and they sent him a season disease and he had to move domain essentially and he lost like four months when he started which was a bit annoying so yeah i mean try to like essentially what you need to do is like before buying a domain try to google the domain name and usually google by association is going to pop up these big brands in your niche if there is any so yeah, yeah. usually it's only when you go for like a specific brand name which you generally wouldn't want to do i mean there are cases when you can do that by accident but if you're doing like a, a website about keyboards or something you wouldn't want to do like logitech keyboard reviews.com or something you just yeah, do yeah. keyboard reviews.com i mean obviously those are not going to be available but that's just an example where you, you don't really need to include the brand name in in your domain anyway this is being too exact as we said before exactly like it, yeah you don't have any opportunity to expand really Okay, so let's talk about who is privacy. What is that and why should I use it? Basically, it just replaces the, like, essentially, who is privacy is like, it's kind of like the contact info slash record associated to your domain name. It's publicly available. And if you go on whois.net, I think you can, you know, put any domain and get that information. And the privacy thing essentially is like your registrar. So, you know, if you use Namecheap or GoDaddy or whatever, registering it in their name so that your name is private. 
that's what a lot of private blog network owners use. But I mean, for our main sites, we don't really use that unless, like, for example, in our case, that's a bit different. So, like, we have Atari Hacker, we have a lot of people looking at what we do. So, if we have sites we don't want people to find out, then we'll turn that on, for example. Otherwise, like, it's kind of nice that people can get in touch with you. Like, it's always useful when you're trying to be integrated in a white hat way inside the community. I find, so, I find with, uh, I think we do have it on an authority hacker, actually. I, I found with yeah? our old, uh, with HireClick, actually, 99.9999% of the, you know, contact, contacts we got who found our info through the who is were, was sp- some kind of spam or some, someone trying to sell us something. Or buy your domain as well, like people trying to buy domains. Or trying to sell a similar domain more more often than not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was just because it was it all came to my email that was I I got them. Yeah, true. That's probably why I like got a bit annoyed by it. But yeah, yeah. If you don't like it, turn it on. It's no big deal. It's like five bucks a year or something. So yeah, uh, you you can use it. You, it's no big deal if you don't. Basically. All right. So anything else you want to touch on when it comes to uh, choosing a domain name? No, I think there's a lot already in that podcast. Like people should be able to pick a decent domain name. And what you should do is you should do the breakdown of like the descriptive slash branded part when we build out domains on the show notes as well so people can see it visually. Yeah. What I would say as well is like you can get into a stage of what I call like analysis paralysis where you spend, you know, weeks choosing a domain name don't do that it's it's important and certainly spend like half a day or something on it but if you're spending more than you know four or five six hours on this then you're probably you know thinking overthinking it just if you're starting a site just you know pick something and 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 go with it and changing domain name is not the end of the world as well like it's delaying you a bit like by the time google transitions it's annoying and stuff and you should try to avoid it but You know, if you made a mistake, it's definitely possible to move your site to another domain or like to expand if you want to, right? Yeah. Like, and with Swill and redirects, you you will keep like ninety nine percent of your traffic if you do it properly. So no drama, right? Yeah. the The other thing, actually, just on, on that, I wanted to say is you got to be very careful as well if you're buying a domain name from from someone else who's had it before, or who's used it before. You know, use a tool like Ahrefs or something to to look at the backlink profile towards that that domain if it's been used before. Even if you're buying it fresh off of GoDaddy or some domain site, if someone's registered the domain before, they may have a lot of unwanted links or or something like that. So just that's an extra thing to be be a little bit careful of. But usually, it's not a not an issue. Okay, so let's move on then to the ask us anything question. This one today's one comes from Mick Roy. And he's asking us, how did we build our membership site on Authority Hacker? So which plugins okay. which plugins did we use and which plugins work with Thrive Themes, which don't? What do you recommend? So what's the what's the story there? Uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer now. If you don't like nerd tech talk, just turn it off right <laughs> now. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole webinar about this on uh, Authority Hacker Pro Platinum, actually. I'm just going to give the tools that we use. So for the membership, we actually use member mouse, which is all right, can be buggy, can be annoying, but overall it's the best of a bad bunch on in this market, essentially. I know Thrive might try to make a competing plugin one day. To communicate with people for support, we use intercom.io. It is pretty popular among a lot of software as a service companies, not so much for 
memberships and stuff, but it works really well. There is actually a WordPress plugin that allows you to integrate with it. Payment, we use PayPal Pro and Stripe, and they plug into Member Mouse. And then all of that Member Mouse has an integration with either Affiliates, which handles our affiliate program. And then, yeah, Active Campaign feeds into that as well. So it like they trade information. So Active Campaign stays up to date for email marketing. And that's basically it. Yeah. So Member Mouse is essentially like the, the hub plugin which we used to check out control all the like access levels it has a checkout in there i don't actually think that the base checkout that comes with is it's horrible (laughs) we had to customize that but yeah if you guys are using a different membership setup let us know let us know how it is i remember when we were researching this where there was a lot of sort of positive and negative feedback about basically everything and there didn't seem to be one perfect solution but i I think it's worked reasonably well for us so far Mm -hmm. yeah it's okay i'm i mean we've we've made good money with it so it's worked out you know all right cool so if you guys have a question for us for another week remember go ahead and go over to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask and you can ask us anything and hopefully we'll answer that in another episode so i think we're done for now then All right. See you next week, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.